DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome Brett McMurphy back to the show, National College football writer and insider for Stadium Network. Brett, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Uh, as we uh, entertained ourselves uh, looking at Twitter as Alabama finished demolishing Ohio State in the second half, the not the uh, way too early top 25s came out, and you caught our eye. You had Utah at number 11, a kind of an outlier among the national media. A lot of these uh, way too early top 25s don't even rank the Utes. And curious what you saw in Utah that you have your expectations for, for them set so high. Yeah, well, I, I actually have five. Pack 12 teams in my top 25, so I guess um, it's that East Coast bias since I live in Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people that, that do these things to kind of get an accurate judge on the Pac-12, but specifically for Utah, um, you know, obviously Devin Lloyd coming back is big. Uh, some uncertainty at quarterback, but just you look at the power ratings of, of Utah and, you know, can't I don't think you can penalize Utah or any of the Pac-12 teams based on last season. And I think uh, the case with Utah and, and, again, the other teams I ranked in the Pac-12, Oregon, SC, uh, Washington, um, you know, if they had played a full season, I think people would look at them totally different coming into this, this year. And, you know, look, uh, the good news is, um, you know, I could be accurate. And bad news is I could – I could be really wrong, but, you know, I mean, these things are they're fun, but I kind of, uh, there's a, a friend of mine that works for the Action Network. It's a gambling site that does power ratings, and uh, he let me see his power, power ratings coming into the 2021 season, and I used that uh, as a jumping off point for my preseason rankings, and I don't remember specifically where he had Utah, but uh, I believe they were no lower than like 13th or 14th in his power rating. So uh, I think you'll see Utah in a lot of top 15, top 20s, at least you should, and when these preseason rankings start coming out. Now it's one thing to, to start there, and it's another thing to end there, but obviously it's a good, good jumping-off point. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, we would love it. Man, the more these local teams do good, the good it, well it is. It's good for business, obviously. Uh, as you list it, to me, when people put out their preseason stuff, it's basically who has the fewest question marks. And you look at defensively, uh, Utah has the fewest, uh, if you compare it to SC anyway, which is probably their main competition. ASU, I know you also have them up there, and, and they've got a bunch yeah. of guys coming back. I wanted to hit on the quarterback position. And obviously for Utah, that is a huge question mark. They went with a transfer last year. Rising gets hurt, put in another transfer in Bentley, and he's already out the door. He didn't play like anybody thought he would. And so now they're, they're dipping their toe back into the transfer market. And you look at when they've had their best season in the conference in the Pac-12 since they've been in it is when Tyler Huntley was in his third year as a starter and he was homegrown so to speak Florida kid but they recruited him as a freshman Uh, what do you think of particularly Utah but just in general of teams going the transfer market for quarterback is a little bit dangerous as opposed to trying to develop one of your own well I I think you I it's easy to make a blanket statement and say oh you know no, you shouldn't do it. You should develop your own quarterbacks. Or, yeah, absolutely, go get a hired gun. Uh, 
Um, you know, obviously the best example of a school that has a tremendous amount of success for that is Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. they had, you know, Heisman guys that didn't, that were not recruited to Oklahoma. Uh, Baker Mayfield transferred, Kyler Murray transferred, um, you know, Lincoln Riley did great. Spencer Rattler, this year's quarterback, is the first, uh, you know, freshman recruit that they've had started quarterback in a number of years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Obviously, Riley's done an unbelievable job. So I think it's becoming more commonplace now where you pick up guys. You know, you look at Georgia. They had JT Daniels from USC. And you just wonder if Kirby Smart would have let him start the season, what a different year may have been for Georgia. So I think it can work out. I do know coaches, you know, there is a concern. If a guy's leaving somewhere, there's usually a reason. Sometimes it's a good reason. Sometimes it's not a good reason. So you obviously got to vet that information out. And if you're comfortable with, with the individual, I think it can work out for both both sides. And as we've seen, there's a record number of, of players in the transfer portal Um I just wonder if all these guys are going to find homes. I don't think they are. That's unfortunate. But certainly, if you're a quarterback and can play somewhere, <laughs> you're going to you're going to find a spot. Brett McMurphy joining us, national college football writer and insider for the Stadium Network. Uh, it's Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson year after year, but it's not so much leagues dominating. I think there's a pretty good case that it's just a handful of teams winning every conference almost every year, just year after year piling on. Is there any chance an Indiana, a North Carolina, an Iowa State, a Utah, anybody is going to break, ASU, anybody going to break through here and mix this up? Because we keep having the same conference champs. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, possibly for, you know, maybe a, a year or something that. Yeah, look, every you know what you said is is legitimate. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a concern, but it's a complaint among college football fans. Well, you know what? You can do something about it. <laughs> you can go beat them, but nobody's been able to beat them. And you know, you look at Alabama going into this year or last year, this past season, they had four of the top fifteen picks in the NFL draft. Jalen Waddle, their best offensive player, breaks his ankle in October. What happens? Last night they cap off arguably the best season in college football history with the best offense in school history. Um, and so now they're going to lose, you know, five more first-round picks. And, you know, their Alabama is sitting at one or two in all the preseason rankings. I think one team that you mentioned to keep an eye on is Iowa State. They have – they only lost a handful of starters that brought Purdy's back at quarterback, uh, Brees Hall, who's the – the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, is back at running back. Um, you know, Matt Campbell obviously is a highly coveted coach, maybe will go to the NFL one day. Can they prove that they're not a one-year wonder? They got to the Big 12 title game. Can they, you know, kick down the Oklahoma door that nobody in the Big 12 has since Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's been there? But, you know, we'll learn, we'll learn early if Iowa State's a contender or pretender because they'll play Iowa in week two. And those guys have those guys have been playing since 1894. I remember it well. That was my freshman year in college. Not a bing. Um, but a bing. And uh, this is the first time that Iowa State and Iowa will meet when both teams should be ranked. So um, I think Iowa State's got a chance to break through. And for as far as Arizona State, you know, their offense is dynamic. And I guess the critics who said 
Herm Edwards wasn't going to work out. They don't look very bright right now. Um, and, and again, with the with the super seniors, the kids that are seniors that are able to come back, um, you know, you've got a ton of high quality teams this year that are going to have a ton of returning starters. So, I think this could actually, if twenty twenty one is formatted like twenty nineteen was, and it's not like twenty twenty. I think 2021 could be one of the best, deepest years of college fo- football we've seen because of all of these players returning for an extra year of eligibility. So I'm wondering if it's a little bit of good news, bad news for Utah, or not for Utah, the Pac-12, I mean, the Pac-12, in terms of you think five teams, so almost half of the teams have an opportunity to be ranked, but you have nobody in the top ten. Well, it, it is it – is. It is in a way because I think, unfortunately, now everybody, whether we like it or not, all the emphasis is put on the college football playoff. And, you know, there were years when Alabama was winning the national title, you know, in the last 10 years where Alabama was the dominant team in college football. The rest of the SEC really wasn't that good. But looking back on that, you don't. People don't remember that. They just look at it and say, oh, yeah, the SEC won another national championship. So I think the Pac-12, you know, at the, at the top will be as good as any of the Power Five leagues going five deep. The problem is if you if you played a five-team round robin with the other five best teams in another Power Five league, I think the Pac-12 would fare well. The problem is I don't know if there's that one team – that is at the elite level of an Alabama, of an Ohio State, of a Clemson, of an Oklahoma. Maybe, maybe there will be one that that emerges. And unfortunately, usually when you have that kind of depth like that, usually those teams beat up on each other, and then it makes it tougher to get to the college football playoff because you don't have you don't have an undefeated team. So it seems like the trend here is that uh, it's everything's changed with technology the last 20 years, it's become uh, so much easier to recruit nationally. And so you no longer have to have the best players in the country in your region to have the best players. You can just go pluck a kid from Florida and a kid from Texas and a kid from California like it's some kind of um, all-star AAU traveling basketball team. And so you get this next man up phenomena where at Alabama where their next wide receiver up is awesome. Is this kind of a one-off that Saban is accomplishing here, or are we starting to see it at a couple other schools, and, and really five schools in the country are just going to get uh, – they're going to identify future NFL stars at 16, 17, and they're going to have them at 19 and 20. Yeah, and they, and they want to – you know, these kids now, you know, it's not like the 70s where Nebraska is, you know, was the only, only uh, team on TV on a regular basis, and they could recruit nationally and everybody else recruited locally. Now every game's on TV. So everybody sees everything. And, you know, so that obviously helps the, the teams that have having a, a lot, great deal of success now, but also on the flip side, you know, look, they, they can only sign 25 a year, so they can't sign everybody. So those ki- kids are going to go all over the country. So, you know, I think, I think bottom line is, um, Kids want an opportunity to play, whether that's at Utah, whether that's at Alabama, whether that's at Texas, wherever it may be. And uh, because every game is on TV, parents can see them play every game. They don't have to travel to every game to see them play. 
I think that obviously makes recruiting more national, like you said. Um, so obviously, the more you win, the more you know, the better selection, the better looking you are, I guess, when you're when you're out there uh, looking to pick up recruits. But uh, you know, it doesn't mean you've got an automatic advantage. Some some kids look for a challenge to come in and and build something new or build a build a program up as opposed to just going somewhere where you know it's kind of uh everything's already been established morgan scally defensive corner for utah is very close to urban meyer so there could be some type of uh connection there what are you hearing about urban getting back in well i i knew if it if it happened, it wasn't going to happen last night because he's certainly not going to upstage Ohio State. Um, I think it boils down to if he's offered the job. If he's offered the job, he'll take it. And, you know, there, obviously he will dip into his um, people that he's worked with at the college ranks. Um, it, it will be fascinating. The thing I wonder about is, you know, Urban, you know, health-wise – was really impacted by wins and losses at Ohio State. And from, you know, a lot of people that I talked to, you know, every situation with Urban was kind of fourth and goal at the one, whether it was a practice, whether it was a film session or whatever. I mean, that's how intense everything was. That's great. Um, so now he's going to go from to an NFL franchise where, you know, he's going to lose more. If he does go, he's going to lose more games in one year than he lost in five years at Ohio State. And so will he be able to deal with that um, is a big question for me. But, um, you know, he's done a great job on TV, but he obviously wants to get back into coaching. And if the Jags are going to give him a shot, he will absolutely accept it. And you would think he would pick Trevor Lawrence, but we'll have to find out on that. Um, but it should be a fascinating uh, next couple of days um, to see ultimately what happens with Urban Meyer and if any other college coach or former college coaches uh, get any NFL jobs. I know everybody wants to be aligned uh, in college football with ESPN and the SEC now. His, uh, ESPN has pried away that, that one big game that CBS was showing every week, and the SEC is all locked up there. If I were running another league, and the Pac-12 has a TV contract coming up here, I think I'd be trying to get that time slot and say, put my conference in that every week. We will give you the best games we need that level of exposure. Certainly the Pac-12 does, but I think you can argue the Big 12 does, whoever. But those guys are all lined up with ESPN and Fox. Is someone going to pounce on that, or is CBS just going to get out of college football? Because that seems like a, a time slot people should be gunning for, especially a league like the Pac-12 that complains about all the late-night games and, and their best games not being seen. Yeah, I'm not sure what the, uh, excuse me, CBS's strategy is. If they want to uh, replace that with, with other football games, um, or if they're just going to get out of it completely and, and put everything into put everything into the NFL, but but yeah, whether it's the Pac-12 or or Big 12 or whoever it is, um, yeah, I mean it would be smart to to get uh, get on CBS. It's a you know it's one of the big three networks over the air networks um, with cord cutting. I mean that I think that's still valuable. Uh, the question is, does CBS want to do it? But certainly the Pac-12. You know, like like the Big Twelve, they have to be you know creative in kind of how they get their product out there. And the Big Ten's got their TV deal coming up uh, pretty quickly, so I, the next few years is obviously going to be uh, pretty pretty instrumental in what happens down the road. 
Sarkeesian going to make a difference at Texas? Uh, yeah, he'll make a big difference. He'll be very well there. Really? That's very definitive. I've heard everybody else hedge on that. Why so much confidence? Uh, I'm, hey, i got to go. i got something breaking. But okay. I appreciate your time. Thanks. All right. Brett McMurphy's got something breaking, so we will stay on his Twitter feed because he's broken big stories, PK. Oh, he's a big-time veteran, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and he knows his stuff. And I don't know uh, what he just got texted, but it was good. <laughs> it, it is uh, urban, 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 urban. I don't know that. <laughs> That's as good a guess as any. <laughs> well, when you think about the urban situation, obviously it was going to calm down a little bit, but now it's going to get ramped back up. Yes. Because you know, now, now's the time for that type of thing to be going on with the college coaches. Yes. And while the NFL coaches, he's a college coach going to the NFL. I he doesn't NFL, want actually. He doesn't want to upstage Ohio State, and the NFL does not want playoff games upstage. So if you were going to hire a coach today, tomorrow, great, but hey, Saturday and Sunday are off limits. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so now we're into this. And Man, I want to know what he just got texted. <laughs> he's. He's not kidding around. If he didn't want to do local shows like this and it's stadium, he needs to do it. He needs to pump the site and all that. So he does it and he comes on and he engages. He's not, you know, yawning like a certain dot-commer did years ago. <laughs> Cal guy, right? That's a Cal guy. Uh, but when he says he's got to go like that, there's something good. I'm keep, got to keep our eye on a Twitter feed. Doesn't mean just that he's able to publish it right away, but there's something out there. Well, he had uh, first, I was listening to him on a national show uh, a few weeks back, and when a couple of teams were deciding to not play in the Bulls, mm-hmm. he said, well, I've got four that I've already got commitments from, but they don't want me to put it out just yet. And sure enough, those teams, I think Stanford was one of them. Uh, I forget the other teams now because it was before Christmas there, yeah. right at the end, the last week of the extended regular season. And uh, the guys were pumping him, oh, come on, come on, come on, see, it's it. But he wouldn't do it. And he nope. said, no, I got it. Uh, but they've asked me to hold off, so I'm going to honor their requests. And, and sure enough, there was that, and then there was a bunch of them. But the point being that that's when I first learned there's probably going to be a bunch of teams that are going to bow out of bowls, and many of them, particularly on our side of the country, in the Pac-12, did. I mean, you had Stanford, Utah, uh, ASU. Uh, Ultimately, only two played. SC was another one. Mm-hmm. UCLA uh, said they weren't going. Yeah, did they finish above 500? I don't think they did, but I think they said yeah. before. I think going into that last game, it was hanging in the balance. They had to win it. Uh, but they said they weren't going regardless of how it turned out. Yeah, Stanford got them in that Fajoko game, had like 5,000 yeah, yards right. of receiving, and now he's local kid off to the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, a bunch of them. And McMurphy was talking about that, and he said, well, I have it confirmed. I'm just not releasing it right now, and, and certainly that was right. So, yeah, you're a big Twitter dude yourself. I know you're on it a lot, so when you see it, let me know. I will. If, if I don't see it. Yeah. All right, DJ PK, that was, uh, <laughs> that was an unusual end to an interview right there. <laughs> but it's got me intrigued now. All right, DJ PK, everything you missed in this show, coming up next. Stay with us. Number one. Make us your number one preset.
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Play action. Mac looks, floats it out, left side. Devontae angles for the corner of the end zone. He is in. Touchdown, Alabama. Alabama on a second down play. Mac looks wide open, left side. Najee out of the backfield, makes the grab at the 10. Cuts inside the defense. He'll fire forward. He's got a touchdown. I'm just happy that we won tonight. And I really haven't thought about that because you're always looking forward. And I just love this team so much and what they've been able to do. Uh, I, can't, I can't even put it into words. I think we're the best team to ever play. I mean, there's no team that will ever play SEC schedule like that again. But at the same time, uh, we're just so happy to have won this game and kind of put the icing on the cake. Alabama, college football champion. And already the debate has started. Who would win if this Alabama team played last year's LSU team? And Joe Burrow's already said everybody knows my answer to that. I don't even need to say it. Ah, sports debates that can rage on forever, PK. Ah, yeah. It's okay. Devonta Smith, the MVP. 12 catches, 215 yards, 3 touchdowns. All in the first half. Hurts his hand early in the third quarter. Does not play the rest of the game, but had a massive game in the first half. Ohio State had no idea what to do with him. Absolutely not. I mean, this kid is a remarkable talent for not being that very big. And I like his uh, Heisman speech where he basically said to young people, you know, just because you may not have the size advantage and you have a disadvantage, don't give up on yourselves. And obviously that's something that uh, he was able to accomplish and see what he can do in the NFL. I heard some people talking, maybe comparing him to like a Marvin Harrison type of player. That'd be a pretty good player then. Mm-hmm. And at uh, his day, just overshadowed a, a really good game out of Najee Harris, who scored three touchdowns of his own and had, a, I thought, a highlight touchdown grab on that screen pass, beating the blitz and everything. That was excellent, but doesn't compare to the game that Smith turned in. So... Alabama, 52-24 over Ohio State, undefeated. And Nick Saban now, six titles in 12 years at Alabama, plus he had the one at LSU. He's got seven. Bear Bryant had the record with six. So, Saban, can you compare errors? You hate that, counting up the best, most titles and saying they're the best coach ever. But he's got seven and counting, and nobody thinks he's done. Well, I think it counts for something, yeah, and it counts for a lot, actually. And so he certainly belongs in the discussion, which for me, I've always believed if you're in the discussion, that's good enough uh, from, from my perspective of all time because it's impossible to come to any definitive conclusions. This is not a seven-game series. This is not a mathematical equation in which there is a definitive winner. But if you're in the discussion, you know, the old Stockton thing, if you're in the discussion of greatest of all time, that must mean you're really good. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's something in and of itself to me is noteworthy. And if you want to go Saban, fine, go Saban. Uh, I don't I don't care about that. Um, he belongs in that discussion. He's built a juggernaut 
of all juggernauts and you, you just got to admire it and say, wow, that, that's just something. As a longtime Alabama fan myself who's been through the suffering, I can enjoy the good times. Yeah, great. All right, the Jazz are playing tonight in Cleveland, and Cleveland is going to be all sorts of shorthanded. We had Chris Fedor on, Cavs beat writer, who listed a bunch of guys around and said, yes, basically they're just cobbling guys together. They are finding guys anywhere they can, emergency roster exceptions, whatever. Definitely a, ja- a game the Jazz should get. It starts tonight at 5.30, pregame at 4.30 here. You got anything to watch for other than the Jazz need to win and look good? Well, Mark Price isn't walking through that door. That's obvious. Nice. So uh, this is a battered Cleveland team, and they just played – as recently as last night, losing to Memphis, I think it was. So the Jazz are rested, and Cleveland to Detroit is not that far. So And they played a day game, so they should be able to come out and make up for the disappointing losses last week. You know, they had a couple of nice wins. The Milwaukee win was the best of the season, I could argue. Uh, but this is a team along the lines of uh, maybe the Knicks and Nets. So get that dumb, get that done and get that W and – and move on, check it off, and get a win. And months from now, we won't even remember it. No Kevin Love, no Dante Exum, no Kevin Porter, no Darius Garland. Maybe Colin Sexton, maybe not. He was scratched right uh, at tip-off last night as the Cavs lost by 10 to the Grizzlies, 101-91. The only way we'll remember this is if they lose, if there's a significant injury, or somebody like Donovan goes for 50 or something along those lines. Otherwise, it's a blur. And it should be should be a routine victory. Now, you don't go out with the attitude that it's going to be a routine victory, but in the end, that's what it should be. Jazz will go back-to-back Wednesday. They're scheduled to play in Washington. The Wizards beat the Suns, 128-107. Bradley Beal went off 34 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, but the Wizards' practice today has been canceled. Uh, Health issues with two players, COVID-related. We'll see what that means for the Jazz on Wednesday. you got to at least put a question mark next to it. We'll see where that goes today. But no practice for the Wizards today. They beat the Suns, and I just wonder, PK, are the Suns really that good, or they got off to a nice start, but a couple losses like this hurt their confidence. Inevitably, you have an injury at some point, and will the Suns end up where we thought the Suns were going to end up, even though this has been a glorious start, winning seven of their first ten? Well, if the Suns make the playoffs, then that's, that's a win. Where that's a victory. They should want yeah. to be. So, I don't think that they're going to be world beaters by any stretch. But they have the thing about them, though, it's somewhat a fool's gold here because they've got some nice young players. But Chris Paul is thirty-five years old, right? And so, you're are you building something? Well, you're not building something with Chris Paul. No, I wonder, though, if this is, and it's a little different, but this is a little bit like the Jazz going out and getting George Hill and Joe Johnson, and they were not going to be here a long time, but you win, you set the expectation at winning, you give a young guys a chance of winning, and then you do have to quickly turn around in the next year or two and bring in another set of guys to continue because otherwise it is Fugles Gold. It's just it's a year or two or whatever it is. So you gotta be able to back this up, but do you change the way your young guys think and do you change the way the rest of the league looks at you? If they accomplish those two things, then it works. If well, not, it's still worth it's doing it, but there is no long-term future. Now, if you turn around and draft a Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> right. well, then yeah. yeah. And if you get that fortunate, that, see, that's the problem is that you're going to be better, so you're not going to have the higher pick, although they go back and look. Part of the number one reason why they've sucked 
for so long is all these high picks have just been busts one after another. So the high picks netted nothing. Right. And interestingly, Booker, who I think was like 13 or 14, somewhere in that range, he's your best player that you've drafted. Uh, you've, you've had so many high picks, and eight at number one looks like he's going to be average at, at best, which an average big man, you know, you still have a place in the league, but not to the point of being number one when Doncic was sitting there and you didn't, and Trey Young, uh, you didn't take either of those guys. And so if you would have taken Trey Young, you would have solved your pro, pro, point guard problem. But nevertheless, for this season, they already beat the Jazz, so they're formidable. Uh, speaking of the Wizards and the uh, protocols, now video surfacing of Kyrie Irving at a birthday party this No week. mask. <laughs> There's also tweets from people inside the or- uh, tweets brother. quoting people inside the organization saying it's like he dropped off the grid. Apparently they have no contact with him. Well, if you play with fire, what's going to happen, man? Yeah, you're going to get burned. The guy hasn't been stable in a number of years. You know, some mm, people it's... thought that he fell off the face of the earth because he thought it's flat. Oh, I see what you did there. That's well. Way to tie those two together. That was good. All right. Well, the uh, <clears throat> for the Suns, I think it's just are they going to be able to go? They they don't have to draft a Mitchell if they hold on to Booker, right? The Jazz had to get Mitchell to replace Hayward. So assuming they don't go through that drama, you still have to go get your Bogdanovich and your Clarkson and uh, find your Royce O'Neal. They're going to have to oh. do that going forward. No, I think they have to. They have to draft a Mitchell. They have to get somebody who can come close to playing the point. In in the next couple years, Chris Paul is going to be out of the league. You've got to replace him and replace him adequately. And it's great if you have Booker and these other guys. That's nice. But you still need somebody who has the ball in his hand running the show. So, yes, maybe not to Mitchell's level, but they've got to get competence, and they haven't had competence. The Utes had another 10-point halftime lead. Instant replay. It happened against Oregon on Saturday. It happened against Colorado on Monday. Up 10 at the half. Gone. A 15-0 run out of the locker room for the Buffs to start the second half. And then the Utes traded punches with them right into the last two minutes when Colorado pulled away and won by seven. Yeah, it's an issue, man. They're not winning enough ball games. One and four in the pack Whoever you want. They're just not winning enough games. And this is a storied program. Top five in the West for 50 years. And they're not winning enough games. And it was remarkable. Two 10-point leads. I mean, at least be 11 or 9. But don't be (laughs) both 10. And and then maybe lose the lead halfway through the second half. Not right at the start. It's like, oh, they just changed uniforms. But the storyline is exactly the same. I was flicking around the other night, came across TV land, and my wife says, oh, I love Andy Griffin. And I said, yeah, this is the one where Barney and his buddies made stupid decisions and Andy came to, came in and saved the day at the end. You remember that episode? I do, and I love that one. That was really good. <laughs> it was so good, they did it like 80 times. <laughs> yes. This one we were watching, some city slicker had come to town and was offering them investments into music company. Oh, and ba- boy. Barney and his buddies all went in and they thought they had something, and Andy said, don't you, can't you see what's happening? Oh, no, you're wrong. You're wrong, Ange. You're wrong. Barney calls the hotel to get the guy on the phone. Oh, he checked out this morning. <laughs> Don't. And Andy was right. I mean, this guy, they should have called him Dr. Andy. He had Dr. Laura and Dr. Phil. They got nothing on that guy you know for who, all the wisdom he had. You know who loves that show and it was 50-50? He was watching it last night. Craig. Oh, this was a couple weeks ago. Okay, a couple weeks ago. Craig Bullerjack. Yeah. 
all in on that show. Bring it up with him on Thursday, and he'll just start telling you what a great show that was. Well, I just randomly was just flicking yeah. around. It was over the Christmas holiday uh, when there wasn't anything on one time. I've done it. And you punch in a number, and then you start hitting the up or down button, depending on yeah. how big a number you yeah. punch in. What it do we just, got? I had no idea it was on at that time. It just came there, and so I stopped, and then she looked at it and said, Oh, I like that. Well, I mean, that's what the Utes have been the last two games. I mean, this has been, they've been one of these Andy Griffiths, or they, the same plot. The plot line is exactly the same. Different particulars as to why they lost, but the essence of the plot line, and the bottom line is, man, they're not winning enough games, and... Something's got to be done. One and four in the conference. Uh, I think there would have been a change last year. I mean, I I thought there could have been one two years ago, but with the change in the athletic director, all right, so you give them another year. And then I thought there could have been a coaching change last year, but it's the pandemic and huge financial losses, and it's the wrong time for a buyout and all that. But this will be the fifth straight year missing the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're one and four in the conference. So is there any point in thinking they're about to turn this around? I mean, if they do, good for them. And we love winners, so please, win ASAP. I'm all for it. But to predict it or expect it right now seems like a fool's errand. I mean, they're 1-4. It's trending the wrong way. Stanford's coming up at the Huntsman Center uh, 3 o'clock on Thursday. You can see that game on ESPNU. All right, so... Yak informs me. Yak, tell me what we're doing here, because apparently the last 20 minutes of the show, wild ad-libbing. What's happening? Well, the Utah Jazz are shooting around. It's something they haven't done in the last little bit, but they'll be shooting around in Cleveland, and Joe Ingles is apparently on his way, so we'll carry it live. All right, so should we take a break then so we're back for it? How close is it? I was told he is coming imminently, a.k.a. he's coming up shortly. A.k. we should not go to break then. We should keep talking, Yep. and and then you'll let us know when Joe shows up, Yep. and we'll listen in. Uh, as the media quizzes Joe. All right. Excellent. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles fired Doug Peterson uh, two years after winning the Super Bowl. Won the Super Bowl title in 2018. He's out. And Joe's sitting down now? Yak is pointing at the TV. Thumbs up. Yes. All right. Let's listen in. Joe Ingles with the media. Get started. Eric Walden, you want to start off? Hey Joe. So, just wondering. Uh, obviously, I know you don't you don't necessarily care about the the games played streak record or anything like that. But I was just wondering what the experience was like of watching a game sitting on the bench the whole time. Did you find yourself like going crazy? How how did you stay involved with it? Um, that last part to, to stay involved, I think, is is kind of easy just because. Just, it's not about me. It's never been about me. It's about obviously our group and um, knowing that other guys were, were going to get. I think, I think Mia got some more time. George was in there a bit more and stuff. So trying to help not only those guys, but, but what I see out there, um, regardless if it's starters or, or the guys that are um, that are coming in for more minutes or whatever that, that their roles are that night. So that part's not hard because you. I mean, you want to win. Obviously, regardless if I'm playing or not, I want I want our team to win. So, um, again, I guess the weird part was probably just that day, like that kind of 24 hours leading into it, and then the game day, um, kind of laying in my room, knowing I wasn't playing. Um, it's something I haven't experienced for a, a very long time. Um, 
I said to someone, it's weird because <laughs> I was like sitting there not thinking about the game too much and not thinking about matchups and what we're trying to do that night offensively and defensively. So, um, yeah, it was just a pretty relaxing day, really. Obviously, just getting treatment and, and preparing. But then, like I said, like once you get out there, obviously, you, you regardless if you're playing or not, you want the team to win. So just trying to help however I can um, with the players that are out there. All right, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV next up. Joe, it just seems like you guys have been on the road forever with pretty much a game every other day or these back-to-backs. How are you feeling with all of this, you guys as a group, um, and then coming into this rare shoot-around today, just kind of the, the focus as you look to tonight, the Cavs? Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. Um, See, so nowhere near the bubble or anything like that, but... Um, I think someone was saying this is our longest trip we've had for, for a while, for, for a few years. So um, I guess the, the different and difficult part is is the, the COVID rules and stuff. Obviously, we can't really leave the hotel at all. Um, you can't see friends. You can't go out for dinner, um, except for a few kind of specific places each trip So or each city. Um, so, I mean, it's different, but it is what it is. Obviously, we, we want to play. Um, that's... The most important thing is obviously us getting out there and playing. So whatever kind of rules we have to follow to, to be able to do that, I think obviously everyone around the league is trying to do, do the best they can so that we can get out there and play. Obviously, uh, a few arenas have fans, but at least so fans can watch on TV and um, get the kind of the same kind of enjoyment out of watching that we do out of, out of playing. All right, next, uh, Nio Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Hey, Joe, kind of just following up on that, um, you know, how does it feel now? You guys are on the tail end and you're about to return back home. How are you feeling? And now kind of just looking out on the season and knowing what it's like to go on the road with COVID protocols. Um, how are you, how is your mind kind of like, what is your mentality going into that? Yeah, I think just, um, I mean, we spend a lot of time with each other now, obviously just in the hotel, on the buses, on the planes, um, Similar to a regular trip, but obviously, like I said, we can't go out, so you're probably together a little bit more. Um, and even saying that, they don't want us around each other. As, it's kind of if it's not a team event or activity, just because of um, as we've seen, like the contract tracing stuff and people getting having to sit out or miss games because of that. So, um, I mean, it, it's difficult, but um, there's a lot of other people going through a lot worse shit than what we are. So. Um, we have to follow a few rules and still stay at a nice hotel and, and still get to play basketball. So um, it sucks at times, but you, you put it in perspective and it's um, it's not really that bad. So we'll, we'll be we'll be fine. We, like I said, we get to, to spend a bit of time together and um, I think we'll all be looking forward to going home in, in a couple of days here after these next two, two hopeful wins. I've been Anderson, KSLsports.com. <clears throat> Joe, what's your relationship been like with Dante since uh, he's left the team? Have you talked to him at all, especially this season with his, his second injury? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're still friends. <laughs> you, you don't lose trade players or whatever happens and, and never speak to him again. Um, it's just, it is what it is. We've been friends. It's the same as Gordon Lowe. I mean, me and, me and George were talking to Ed Davis this morning. Like, the, there's relationships you just... Um, they just, they are what they are. They're, they're, they're more than being a teammate or anything. I've been obviously known Dante for a long time. Um, was roommates with him at the national team before all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, still speak to him a fair bit. Um, 
we talk about property and real interesting stuff that you guys probably don't care about. Um, but yeah, he's he's in a obviously prior to um, I think his calf or ankle or whatever he did, um, he was playing really well. He was starting and playing pretty heavy minutes and um, kind of was probably finding a really niche kind of nice role for himself. So um, yeah, was really happy for him. Um, obviously prior to the injury, but um, yeah, hopefully he'll, he'll get back soon and um, yeah, we, we'll uh, we'll catch up in a few hours here when uh, when the game's on. Justin Kenny, follow-up, Jazz TV. Joe, as you look ahead to the Cavs tonight, you know, obviously the injuries have plagued them. This team seems to have eight different starting lineups that they've worked through, guys in different roles. What is the challenge of these kind of games? Well, I mean, it's different every night. I, I think we were talking about it recently of – the, the contact tracing and the, the rules and the pro like the, there's going to be guys missing a lot as, as we've seen recently. Um, some teams aren't playing at all postponing because of the, the rules and um, teams are going to have different players every night. I, I think we, we've seen it before um, probably just more, um, a bit more regular now with, with what's going on, but um, you, you've got to obviously play who's in front of everyone in the NBA is a, a really good player. So Regardless, if someone's out, someone else will step up. Um, we, we saw that with, with Brooklyn. I think it was KD's out. Karis Levert plays really well. There's different guys. Like guys are going to step up, um, and they get an opportunity. There's probably guys tonight um, that, that'll that'll come in that, that haven't played a whole lot over the season, but they might play. I mean, Yogi Ferrell came in two days ago and he played and, and played well last night for him. So um, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of knowing what we want to do, focusing on what we want to do, and then obviously just knowing the tendencies and um, and the other players of, of what their goal is as a team is. So we, we've got to be locked in, um, ready to go, and, and, and we will be for tonight. How would you rate that Bojan dunk? <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, PK, 1280 of the zone. Hey, How's it going, Joe? Good to hear from you, man. You've been playing well of late. How comfortable are you in your role with this team this year? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's easier. Um, not saying easier, but like doing it last year a little bit. Obviously, last year was – I knew I was going to come off the bench originally. Um, but then obviously with, with what went on and injuries and stuff, I, I ended up starting again. But, um, yeah, just, just being – Confident, comfortable with the role that um, I knew again I was gonna I was gonna have. Um, so you're talking about last year with coach, um, and then adjusting to it, it probably took me longer than than I wanted, and probably what the team wanted. But um, I mean, it's different. I've I've talked to coach a lot about when you go from. I mean, I started for for years here, and um, obviously felt like the, the impact I had with the ball and, and without the ball was was was. Pretty significant. So when you you flip that, you're just trying to figure out different ways that you can help. Obviously, as you guys know, and you definitely know, like uh, my whole goal at the end of the day is to, to win the game, regardless of that's me heavily involved or, or my role is to sit in the corner or to defend or to rebound, whatever that that is. Um, so just trying to honestly, just trying to help out wherever I can as can as boring as that answer is. And I think just being comfortable with. Uh, I know when I'm coming in. Um, obviously come in with Fave, um, uh, whatever the minute mark is. And 
Um, just know where, know where I can be aggressive, know where, I, where I'm in the corner or, or, or ready for it. No, it's just a, it's a very clear and um, open role. And, and obviously, coach has been a, a big part of that, just being open and honest with me. And it's, um, yeah, it's been great. It's, uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying coming off the bench with that second unit of the guys and then playing a little bit with the starters at times. So, um, yeah, really happy, really, really confident in, in that role now. All right, we have time for one last question. It's a follow-up from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, you touched on this a little bit, just how it's a little crazy every night with, with certain guys sitting out, some teams not playing at all due to the contact tracing. How much do you guys keep up to tabs with that? I mean, this morning we had the news I, that the Wizards, you guys go into the contract tracing protocols um, and that they canceled practice. Like, how concerning is it knowing that, you know, that, this is a team that you're scheduled to face tomorrow. Yes. Um, I mean, it's, you can say it's kind of frustrating or whatever, but it, it is what it is. It's the, the world we live in right now. It's um, a lot of unknowns and you, I mean, obviously right now it's the, the focus is on tonight um, and, and sort this out, but I'm sure throughout the day, our, uh, wherever our health and safety protocol officer is, will be, uh, We'll be on the phone and, and figuring out what's going on. And if it's, if it's safe and, and whatever, we'll go and play the game. If it's not, they'll postpone it or cancel it or, or whatever they do. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, I spoke early in the year in preseason about th there's going to be a lot of stuff this year that we're just doing on the fly or we're getting a text an hour before something or we might have to meet somewhere else before we come to some like to another city because of the rules in the in the other city not being allowed certain amount of people in rooms and stuff like that so um yeah we just got to be pretty open and flexible with with what's going on and um yeah obviously we'll we'll focus on the game tonight and either today or tonight or tomorrow or at some point we'll, we'll know what's going on in, in washington and they'll obviously the league will keep um little barnett over there who's our safety officer in control of uh yeah, sorry, keep in contact with him of what's going on, and we'll we'll uh, we'll take it take it as it comes because we really can't do anything else to be honest. All right, there's Joe Ingles after shoot around with the media, and uh, he's right, PK. There's no no control over this. You just got to hope that they find out if that Washington game is off. They find out before they leave Cleveland because to fly oh, yeah, to Cleveland yeah. to Washington and all the way back to Utah, if you don't even have a game, that would suck. I mean, if you can't play it, you can't play it, but at least then fly back to Utah from Cleveland. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break, come back, your feedback on the way. Stay with us. Hey, Scotty G, it's Jenny G. Can't believe I'm the lucky girl that gets to snuggle with the Utah Sportscaster of the Year. Congratulations to us both. Why aren't there many more songs about rainbows and jazz teams that always win? Because PK says we should be more upbeat, even though chances are thin. We'll go on dreaming and we'll be there screaming when they hand that trophy to Quinn. <laughs> Open mic, use your phone, use the app, send us the audio. And that really was Scott's wife. I just asked Yak. That really was... Oh, yeah, I recognize her voice. The yeah. email address said Jenny Gerard. Yeah, that's her voice yeah. for sure. But I would just like to say that I've spent a time or two snuggling with Scotty G. She's not the only one. Well, let's end the show right there. <laughs> Congratulations to Scotty. I don't know about that award because I know nothing about it, and I'm not really an awards guy. But I do, I do know Scotty 
is a heck of a boss, and he's made all these years so much more pleasurable because he's my immediate boss. I would do anything for that dude. We do not want him to go anywhere until the day after we're gone. Whatever you plan for your life, Scott, don't plan it until we're gone. Just keep doing this. Yeah. All right. Uh, we went a little long with Joe Ingles, so we don't have much time for uh, feedback here. we got to wrap it up so the Sportscaster of the Year can get on the air. Uh, you got anything you want to share? Anybody tweet at you? Anything you need to know here, PK? Uh, well, what's his name? K? Yeah. Be positive on the Jazz. One year, it's going to happen. I saw a guy last night tweeted. Uh, I follow some ASU folks, and he tweeted, I promise you, before I take my last breath on this earth, the Devils will win the national title one time. That's the way you got to feel about the Jazz. Okay. DJ and PK, we're out of here. Scotty G, Sportscaster of the Year. Hans Olsen, coming up next.